to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. If you do, I hope you go and seek out my website. That's at Quipster.net. You can find over 3,800 of my written reviews. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at The Magnificent Seven. It's a Western film. It does have a lot of action in it as well. It's rated PG-13 because of extended and intense sequences of Western violence and for historical smoking, some language, and suggestive material. The runtime is 2 hours and 12 minutes, and the cast includes Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, Haley Bennett, Peter Sarsgaard, Ethan Hawke, Byung-Hung Lee, and Vincent D'Onofrio. The director is Antoine Fuqua, and the screenplay is credited to Nick Pizzolatto and Richard Wink. If you know your Western history, you know that The Magnificent Seven is a remake of a classic Western that came out in 1960 of the same name. That film itself was a remake of a classic samurai masterpiece that came out about seven or eight years before called The Seven Samurai, and that was by Akira Kurosawa. Here in the 2016 version, Antoine Fuqua takes the director's chair. He's reunited with Denzel Washington for the third time on the big screen after Training Day, which also featured Ethan Hawke, who's in this movie, and The Equalizer, which also featured Haley Bennett. Although this version's updated to make the team of heroes more ethnically diverse, this disposable but not unenjoyable 2016 update retains an old-fashioned Western sensibility that will likely please those nostalgic for a return to the genre the way that it used to be, embracing the formula that they know quite well. The Magnificent Seven set in 1879. This one moves the action from in the original Seven Samurai feudal Japan in the 1960 version to Mexico, whereas in this film, it's a struggling new town in the United States called Rose Creek. The residents of Rose Creek are being bled dry and forced to leave or die from a ruthless and iron-fisted land baron named Bartholomew Bogue, played by Peter Sarsgaard. Bogue is looking to continue amassing riches by getting rid of the meek residents of the town in order to further set up his gold mining operation nearby. Now, when Bogue's attempts to terrorize the people of Rose Creek into leaving turn deadly, recently widowed Emma Cullen seeks righteousness and revenge by enlisting the services of a fearless, duly appointed warrant officer from Kansas named Sam Chisholm, played by Denzel Washington. Chisholm's being paid to help protect the town and to put an end to Bogue's murderous ways. With the local sheriff and deputies of Rose Creek on Bogue's payroll and an army of desperados out to protect Bogue, Chisholm knows he's going to need a formidable team on his side as well. He can't do it alone, and he soon enlists the services of this ragtag group of skilled gunfighters, as well as taking about a week to try to train the town of mostly pacifists on how to fight for the homes that are rightfully theirs. Nick Pizzolatto, who created the True Detective show for HBO, and Richard Wank, who scripted the screenplay for Antoine Fuqua's previous outing with Denzel Washington called The Equalizer, provides this adaptation. This is a very predictable storyline. It has sketchy and broad characterizations and very little in terms of lived-in backstories except for whatever the plot necessitates at the time. But it does have a very varied cast. It's very fun to watch. You know, they exchange banter with one another on occasion, and those are some of the highlights of the film. The real attraction to The Magnificent Seven, other than its charismatic cast, 
is the opportunity for its big action sequences. This is not a wall-to-wall actioner at two hours and 15 minutes, but Fuqua does deliver on a few prolonged set pieces that will definitely be up the alley for those looking for some good gunplay and some explosions, even though the persistent rotation of the focus of the film to give each particular member of the seven their time to shine, it does get a bit repetitive and perfunctory. That said, the big climax at the end of the film encroaches into some overkill, and these sequences are also full of some of the film's dumber developments, not the least of which is the introduction of this implausible weapon of mass destruction, the Scatling Gun, that logic would dictate should have been used at the beginning of the main conflict instead of toward the end of the film. And the fact that the townspeople are willing to fight for their town in a manner that will likely result in its destruction is another of the strategic head-scratchers employed at the end of this movie. Peter Sarsgaard plays the main villain. He's this pained and seething force of malevolence, although Sarsgaard's performance does cross the line into being hammy in the way that many Western villains of Hollywood old were generally portrayed. He's a very good actor, but his one-note character is a stock devil inside bad guy, and therefore renders Bogus pretty uninteresting. He's only distinct because Sarsgaard plays him as if he looks like someone trying to hold in his flatulence throughout the whole movie. Now, while the cast performs adequately in their respective roles, with Denzel Washington anchoring the gravitas of the story with his sheer screen presence alone, it's Ethan Hawke who manages to deliver the closest thing to a standout performance as the former Confederate Army expert sharpshooter who's clearly suffering a malady that has him unable to play a proper hero on occasion. He is to his character, Goodnight Robichaux, what Val Kilmer is to Tombstone as Doc Holliday. Meanwhile, the second build, Pratt, he's a bit vanilla as the booze-swilling trickster named Josh Faraday, but I do think that Pratt fans will find his turn appealing because this is something new. It's his first Western, as is the first Western for Denzel Washington, and Pratt does up the film's marketability, and that's why he's in the movie, even though he's not the best suited for these kinds of roles. Although the heroes are comprised of a mix of different ethnicities, and the villains are all white except for one Comanche, outside of some playful back and forth among the men, there's this curious lack of distinct racial epithets in the movie that you would be expecting. There is some aggression that's implied for some of the characters because of who they are on the outside, but it's not outwardly stated. It's also interesting to note that, without spoiling the film, this is one case where you won't be able to guess who lives or who dies, depending on typical Hollywood tropes where minorities seem to be the most expendable. In fact, this film seems to be an intentional subversion of that trope in this respect. So that's something Fuqua brings to the table. So Magnificent Seven is beautifully shot. It has great work by cinematographer Moro Flore, and it's filmed in parts of Louisiana and Arizona primarily. The late James Horner provided some parts of the score. You can hear his trademark flourishes throughout the movie. There are some assists by co-composer Simon Franklin, and it occasionally echoes the memorable Elmer Bernstein score of that 1960 version of the film without lifting it outright, curiously enough. Now, from a technical standpoint, all of the ingredients are here for top-flight entertainment, except for the script that plays everything pretty much generic and generally uninspired as far as Western films go. This is not rewriting the history of films at all. It doesn't even try. It basically fully embraces its goofiness and its dated qualities. Unfortunately, regardless of Fuqua's talent at delivering the flash and the grit in the action, The Magnificent Seven does remain a very streaky film. It gets into a groove for a number of scenes and then eventually stumbles into stymieing ineptitude from time to time. 
And that kind of cripples it from becoming one of the year's biggest delights. I do think that it's hokey in some scenes and very hackneyed in others, but I do think that The Magnificent Seven will likely deliver just enough of what Western action enthusiasts are coming to the theater for to recommend it as a piece of popcorn entertainment purely. It won't become a classic like the other films that it's remaking, basically. But for those who enjoy classic Westerns, even ones that are very formula, this is an occasionally clunky, but yet it's a modestly engaging revival. And I think that fans of Westerns and fans of these stars will likely come away feeling like it was time well spent. I'm giving The Magnificent Seven three stars out of four. And three stars on my scale means that I do think that it is recommendable for people who like this kind of movie. If you're a Western fan, if you like a lot of action Westerns, or you just like ragtag groups of mercenaries getting pulled together for some laughs in between some of the fighting... This is going to be up your alley. If you hate Westerns, you know, this is definitely embracing the Western tropes through and through. So you're not going to see anything you're not expecting in this movie. And I do want to say one more thing. Parents, I think, especially because this is a PG-13 rated film. This is a very lax PG-13 rating. This is a brutally violent film. It easily could have gotten an R rating. And in fact, I'm kind of surprised by what they got away with in this film. Maybe just a little bit more blood if not as is, would have been an R-rated film, but they were lucky enough to get a PG-13 rating. And so I would say this is definitely for older kids, you know, probably teenagers to enjoy who are inured to these kinds of levels of violence. A lot of impalings, a lot of stabbings, a lot of people getting shot, often without much provocation. So take that into account before you take your kids to this movie. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you do... I do encourage you to click the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you want to support the show, if you've been listening a while, I do encourage you to go to iTunes and leave a review. It definitely helps a great deal. If you really want to help the show, you can go to patreon.com slash quipster and leave a donation as well. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your time anytime you go to the movies. And don't forget, you can always write to me at my website, quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. <laughs>